Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. May has begun. Spring is in full swing, and of course, allergy season is upon us in Canada. Oh, about that, I read an article a few months ago, I think last year actually, claims that immigrants or children of immigrants gets most affected by allergies. That's because their body is having evolved nor adjust to the climate and the flora and fauna of their new environment. How about you? Are you an immigrant or a child of immigrants that suffers from allergies? I'd love to know if this study is real. Contact me and send me a message on our socials, and that is at an immigrant's life, or you can email me at an immigrant's life at yahoo.com. I'll be waiting for your message, and I'd love to talk about this with you. Speaking of contacting me, if you are interested in coming on the podcast to tell your beautiful story, Again, you can reach us through our social media accounts at An Immigrant's Life or email me at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. That's the biz. Now, let's talk about the episode. Our guest this week is a true inspiration. As she moves through life with a clear purpose and a deep desire to love and serve others, her philanthropic endeavors are a testament to her commitment to making a positive impact in the world. And we can all learn from her example and strive to make a difference in our own communities in whatever way we can. Oh, and by the way, the guest recorded this episode with me while she sits outside by the beach, which I was hesitant first because I was worried about the wind may affect the audio. And, you know, some outside forces that could affect the audio. But thankfully, it didn't really do much. And it ended up very interesting and cool way to have a conversation with. So for that, I am really, really grateful for her to allow me to experience something new with the podcast. And having said all that... I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode, so let's not waste more time. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a fashion model, a singer, and a philanthropist. She's a woman of faith, born to bring happiness to the world. Everyone, please welcome Christy Kiyoko. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we finally made it. I know. It's been a long time coming, but time flew, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, time flies. Moments are... Fleeting. Fleeting, but time flies, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. I, I can't even keep up with how many, like how the days have been just flying by. And my mom has said like, since she was a teenager, she's noticed that time has just moved exponentially faster. And I'm not really sure <laughs> if it has anything to do with like 
the sun revolving around the earth. Maybe it's just speeding up a bit, mm. but yeah, I, it just seems like these days are just flying. I can't believe it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when we're young, you know, remember the summer, like when there's no school, like days never ends. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the clock and you're just like, okay, we have about two more hours left. And those two hours feel like two days. Yeah. I remember that. And now and I'm still young. So yeah. like, I'm just imagining by the time I'm like in my forties, hey. what time is going to feel like then. Easy. <laughs> well, I can tell you being a 40 year old man, time flies. Yeah. Time flies. Sometimes I'll be listening to, to music and I'm like, oh, I love this song. And then I realized this came out back in 98. I'm like, I was in high school. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for reminding me how old I am. <laughs> no, but even just like vintage, like mm. vintage is anything that's over 10 years old. And so anything from the 2000s, like the early 2000s when I was growing up, that's mm. now vintage. Mm. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, like fashion now, like the kids are wearing this. Well, kids, you're a kid to me. Like, <laughs> like hey kids now. Are, yeah, kids are wearing <laughs> clothes that we used to wear when we're, you know, coming up. And I'm like, and I love they, they'll talk to me and say like, yo, you don't know fashion. I'm like, you're wearing the clothes I was wearing. <laughs> right? They are making a comeback. Everyone's trying to go back to like early 90s, 2000s. They call it Y2K. Mm -hmm. That type of style. Yeah. I mean, hey, we did we did it too. My generation, every generation did it, to be honest. Like, I did it. Yeah. We did it. For us, it was the 70s, right? Mm. Like, we tried to, like, long hair, black, sh black yeah. shirt, you know. But there's a lot of people that that poo-poo on young younger generation saying, like, oh, you know, this younger generation. Like, yo, you did the same thing. <laughs> right? We're so hypocritical. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's going to be an endless pattern and cycle that when it, when your day comes up and you're an older lady, you'll be probably, mm -hmm. well, I, I mean, you're open-minded, but your generation probably like, remember these kids? <laughs> I know. I can't believe that there's going to be a time where I'm saying that. Hey, enjoy your time. I, I, that's one thing I could say is... <clears throat> Like enjoy the moments because yeah. phew, one minute you're you're strong and agile, the next minute you're like you need a minute to stretch before you can get yeah. off the bed. <laughs> I'm not ready for those days. I'm turning 23 in about less than a month, and to me, like to everyone else, that's super young. But to me, it's like that's closer to 25, and 25 is closer to 30. And <laughs> I just time is going by so quickly. But yeah. one thing that I am doing right now is really making sure that I'm taking time to enjoy the moment and enjoy life and enjoy the time that I'm in because I'm going to look back and wish that I had slowed down. Hmm. Yeah, you've been busy. Yeah, very busy. I love it. That's one thing I love about your Instagram account is like, you know, you, I can tell you're doing the things that you want to do, something that will make, that makes you happy. And it makes yeah, me happy. very much so. Thank you. Yeah, no, I am. Um, I, I'm a creative. I've always been a creative since I was young. 
Mm. And even when I was in school, like school projects, I would just take them to the next level. I was that kid to do go above and beyond. And it wasn't necessarily to be on a teacher's good side, but genuinely because I just had fun doing it. Mm. I like making projects into creations and like having fun because it's my time that I'm using to do it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Was there someone in the family that allowed you to glow and shine that way? Um, well, I mean, like, not necessarily, but my parents gave me all the resources that I needed to do everything to the best of my ability. So I, mm. I would give them that credit. Um, mm. My dad would haul, like, my all my projects to school with me and he'd make me, he'd help me, like, make them and take me to the art store and mm -hmm. create these um like just basic school projects and turning them into like 3D creation. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, so like I really do give them the credit for allowing me to glow and do the things that I love doing. Mm -hmm. By the way, yeah. before we get in too deep, yeah. uh, why don't you tell the Immigrant Nation where they can reach you or if you, you want to promote anything? Okay, so you can reach me on LinkedIn at Christy Kyoko. I'm also the same handle on Instagram. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel that I'm going to be posting on, and that's called Life with Christy. So you can reach me on any one of those platforms, including TikTok as well. Hmm. You do the TikTok now? Is, are you new or uh, it's been a while? Oh, boy. I'm so late to the party, actually. <laughs> I was talking about this just a couple weeks ago, like, I'm very much because I'm such a creative person. I like to take my time mm. on everything that I put out. So short form content is like so difficult for me to <laughs> keep up with like trends, all of that can't really keep up with trends. I like to tell a story. I'm a storyteller. So mm. long form content is kind of my type of vibe. Also, I like Instagram reels because there's not so much of like that pressure to be posting literally every single day or like hopping on the next trend so mm. but with tiktok like i am gonna try i'm gonna try and um, be a little bit more consistent on tiktok because that's where everyone's at so gotta keep up <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah do you consider yourself a perfectionist um yeah yeah almost to a fault yes where's that from um since I was in kindergarten, I've always had this drive to be successful. And it wasn't really anything that was instilled with me, instilled in me by my parents. They never really told me that I had to be, but I don't know. I just always wanted to put my best work out there, whether it's grades, schoolwork, uh, projects, I always do the best that I can. So that made me a perfectionist over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, it's a little bit of, deconstructing I've been doing like getting away from like that everything needs to be perfect mentality mm -hmm. and just putting out what what I can and like doing the best that I can and I think consistency beats perfection so mm -hmm. you said yeah. deconstructing uh, how are you deconstructing are, are you going to therapy or are you doing some self-healing what, what are you doing um, yeah, I mean, I did, I did start going to therapy. I wouldn't say that that's like the main driver of like what I've been doing for like self care and like, um, self development. I've been listening to podcasts and reading books, but also just like taking a lot of time to reflect 
and realizing like some certain habits or patterns that I have adopted and kept to Mm. were some of the things that were keeping me stagnant and holding me back. So deconstructing those mindsets and mentalities and, uh, and learning how to be okay with not being (laughs) perfect. Not everything has to be like absolutely the best. It's just, yeah. So like, that's what I've been kind of unlearning. And, and with that, I find a lot of peace and a lot Mm. of relief too. like taking that pressure off. And it's been cool. It's been cool. It's, uh, it's really nice to give yourself a little bit more room because that gives you more space to do other things and focus on other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfection is a, is a curse, Mm -hmm. sometimes a gift, but like I've been, uh, <laughs> I just pick up doing a, a an art project for myself, mm-hmm. and the other day I was so excited. I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a new batch of art. Pretty much, I'm doing a handmade recycled papers. Oh, cool! Yeah, what are you doing then, with that? And I'm I'm making journals and I'm writing uh, pre-colonial script, the Filipino pre-colonial script, the way the our ancestor wrote. But oh the, wow! Yeah, but the Spanish, you know, tried to kill it. But so I'm trying to learn that and be good at it. And again, I include it with my handmade paper. And the other day, I was so excited. I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna crush this. It's gonna be amazing." Yo, <laughs> no bueno. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was not good. I was so pissed at myself. Aww. I was so mad. But then I said, like you said, self reflection, and said. And I, it made me feel grateful. You know what? I'm grateful for these mistakes because I learned so much. I did learn so much that, hey, take your time. It's okay to make mistakes. It doesn't have to yeah. be perfect all the time. Yeah, I think that we really do beat ourselves up for no reason. It's never really like that serious. Um, when you're trying a new thing, hmm. you, have to per- like, you have to improve your craft. And the only way that you can do that is by doing it con- like multiple times and consistently. Um, that's the only way that you can learn from your mistakes and learn what you can do better. And you do get better over time. Like it's, it's really important that we realize that and go easy on ourselves. And I think that's such a cool project. Thank you. Um, recycling the, yeah. And creating, is it like transcripts, ancient trans, like recreating ancient, ancient uh, transcripts? No, I'm, I'm literally like it's a calligraphy. I'm writing oh, it see. down. So, so I'll, I'll think about a name or a word and then I'll write it on that script. I'm still yeah. working on it. I'm trying to get better at it. Then I'm hoping that I'll start an Instagram account and share it to the world, you know? Oh, you definitely should. Calligraphy is so cool. <laughs> I love writing. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What kind of writing? Stories? Poems? Everything. Songs, poems, books. When I was younger, I used to write stories all the time and I'd read them to like my fifth grade class and like <laughs> I'd print them out and everything, get them laminated. No I just way. love storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think I was going to be an author growing up. What happened there? Um, I think techno- the rise of technology kind of took over. Mm. I still love reading books and I still love stories and, and writing stories, but I, I think that I get to do both by writing the story and then, creating it like visually i've been watching your youtube videos you need to make more yeah (laughs) i know (laughs) thank you um 
yeah, I really enjoy it. It's just it's so time consuming. And mm-hmm. I have so many projects that I'm working on right now. It's so hard to find time to edit. But when I do and I do create something and I complete it, I do feel really good. So, yeah, I love yeah. the feeling, you know, that addicting feeling like, yeah, crush that. That's a great one. Well, it's also just like seeing like what was in your head and seeing it tangibly. Mm. It's different. I mm. love it. Like, and that's the other thing is with YouTube, I never really like I, I was a little bit easy on myself with YouTube because it's a, it's a process. It's a slow burn. Mm. Um, I just created the videos that I could with what I had and I didn't feel the need to like jump into like Adobe Premiere or um, or any of those like really hard to use editing softwares. I just kept it really simple and I knew that the more that I created them, the better I was going to get. And I, I feel that still. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do enjoy it. Yeah. Do you have the push to have this pressure of, I wish this one goes viral? Um, I mean, I guess it would depend on what the content is. I feel like majority of my content on YouTube has just been vlogs. So like, I never really had the expectation of it going viral. Um, because with viral videos, usually it's like something either really insane or crazy, or you're providing some sort of value to the person that is watching, whether it's like a tutorial or something like that. And since mine, my videos have been kind of just like personal vlogs, like a digital diary is what I call mm. it. Um, I never had that expectation for anything to be viral necessarily. But I think that if I did, I would probably feel a little bit more pressure with that. Mm. Why is it important for you to document your life in video? Um, I, I would say because my parents really blessed me when I was a baby when I came here to the United States they didn't have really anything they came with a video camera and since I was born like since my first day on this earth my parents have been documenting my life and I got to watch myself grow up and not a lot of people get that not a lot of people had that um, that had that opportunity to see themselves when they were young on video on tape but I really thank my parents for taking those videos because I think that it's it's really cool to see your story in real time. But when you're a lot older, um, so I think going forward, like with my life, I felt that it was important to continue what they've started. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm on a very incredible journey in this life, and one day it will be a movie. So I want to have the documents to show people and the videos to show people like how I got to where I, where I will be. Mm. I heard about, I love, I love that your parents recorded you, by the way, it's, that's something I should do more with my kids, but I always have, I'm always in this middle uh, decision making of like, am I missing the real moment, the feeling of like experiencing it with my eyes or also am I missing it? by recording it Mm. Mm. yeah that's a that's a very difficult question to ask yourself 
And sometimes like I do ask myself that, especially like when I go to concerts or events, I'm just mm. like, do I want to really record this or do I want to just enjoy the show, enjoy the concert? Um, and I think that it can be a little bit of both. You have to find a balance. Hmm. My parents were not, they didn't have the video camera on 24 seven, but they mm -hmm. had it nearby. So like if, if there was a moment, like my first steps that they didn't want to miss, like they could easily just grab it and record it. And I think, I think that in the moment you don't really appreciate it as much, but 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you definitely will, mm -hmm. especially with your kids. Like kids are not kids forever. I know that because I've been watching my little siblings grow up and it's within a blink of an eye and they're already talking to you in full sentences and haven't <laughs> added. It's like, how did you even get to this point? Like you were a little tiny little baby and time mm -hmm. went by so fast and you start to miss the baby side of them. And, mm -hmm. and I, I recorded my little sister since she was born and now she's five and she's so smart and so bright. And we watch those videos and it's like, this was literally just yesterday. <laughs> and we forget we miss her because we're like, what did she even look like as a little baby? But because we have those videos, we, we took them, like we're able to look back and mm -hmm. see them. And I think your kids will definitely appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of your parents, just for context, where did they move from? My parents moved here from Kenya in 2000. Mm -hmm. Mm. Was there mm -hmm. a reason why they moved? Is it, you know, sometimes people move because of economics, sometimes people because war? Um, my mom wanted me to have, to grow up in the American school system. Mm. She wanted me to have that opportunity and to have my U.S. citizenship. And so she, I think it was a last minute decision because my dad was in Japan at the time. He was living in Japan. And I think the plan was I was either going to be born in Kenya or Japan. But my mom moved here in her third trimester, like two months before I was born. So I think it was a last minute decision. When I asked her about it, she was like, I just wanted you to have your U.S. citizenship and to grow up as an American. Mm. Yeah. And, but... So now growing up as an American and a Kenyan, how do you find mm -hmm. the balance between the two? That was probably the most challenging things to navigate growing up in my life. Um, because having African parents, they don't understand what it's like growing up as an American kid. Um, there's two very different cultures, right, that I come mm. from. And so them not really knowing how to help me figure out who I am here um, was a little bit hard. So I had to figure that out by myself. I think that the one thing that they did right was taking me back to Kenya multiple times growing up. So I was able to visit Kenya and understand the culture and know where I came from. And I got to instill a lot of pride in, like in that. And so when I'd come back home and come back to school from like a two month trip to Kenya, I had so many stories to share. And I think that that differentiated me from like other kids. And yeah, it became kind of like a pride and joy to me to talk about what it's like in Kenya and being a Kenyan and 
yeah, I, I was able to find my identity in both in both cultures, but it was it was definitely hard. Yeah. Did anyone help you go through that uh, challenges and hardship? No, no. I often say that I I raised myself. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. My parents did an amazing job raising, but when it came to like experiences here in school, also being in a predominantly white school system, hmm. there were just some things that they didn't understand, and there wasn't a lot of kids like me. So I did have to go through a lot of things by myself, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why like at this age, it's being able to reflect on those, on those times and seeing how much my brain has developed and my, like my thoughts have changed over time. And Mm -hmm. I've discovered so much about myself. Um, It's, it's really cool. I think that it's a really great part of my story, but I do wish that I had a mentor or someone that was older than me or like an older sister. Cause I was an only child for 11 years. Um, mm. That could have helped me kind of guide or navigate that, like figuring out the mm. two balancing the two cultures. Yeah. Going to school, was there other people of color in the class or is just Christy alone? Um, on average in my classes, there were about, two to three students of color. Um, and I'm talking about like African-American students. There were mm. also um, Asian-American students and Latino students as well. But when it came to like, yeah, African-American or just African students in the class, there was very, very few. Mm. There's no one. Did you, do you have a family in Seattle when you're growing up? Not really. Very, very little. I think I, I have an, a great aunt in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she has some kids. So like they're like my second cousins. Mm-hmm. Other than that, not really. The rest of the family that I have in the States is in the East Coast and everyone else is in Kenya. Why did your parents choose Seattle? My mom's sister was here before mm. she came. And um so when she came here, she was living with her. And I don't know why they didn't choose like New York or New Jersey because that's where her brother is. <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> Seattle's cool. I love Seattle. Don't get me wrong. I mm. love Seattle. Mm-hmm. I know. I, you have your, uh, what's that uh, group that you started? Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle. What's, Seattle what Style Series. That's it. I love that. They're yeah. so like weirdos and cool people. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that I have been able to implement into the city being someone that was born and raised here. And so it's really cool to be a part of that community and to grow that community because I think that the city needs it. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. And it, there's a lot of new people coming to Seattle because of mm the rise in tech and so yeah creating spaces for people to feel welcome and a part of something is something that i'm very passionate about Mm -hmm. i think yeah i think i've heard a lot about seattle good stuff about seattle i mean i think it's the weather that's kind of you know sway people (laughs) not moving to seattle like now great example you being outside it's dark and gray (laughs) it is kind of gray today 
But the springs and summers in Seattle are my favorite. It's the best time to come because it's mm. the perfect weather. It's in like the mid to upper 70s in the summer. Mm -hmm. The sun is beautiful. It's super green. It's honestly so worth the wait. But you do have to go through the months of like dark weather to mm. get there. Hey, we got snow. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, you're in, um, where in, in Canada? Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that Canada has some extreme weather. Extreme, yes. We just Super had, extreme. We just had an ice storm of, what, two, two weeks ago? And the whole city oh of Montreal gosh. shut down. Oh, my gosh. No power. Yeah. Could not be me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I cannot deal, deal with the cold. I hate the cold. It wasn't cold. It's just the ice. And then a few weeks from that, We had like 40 centimeters of snow, just dumps and dumps and dumps. Oh, no, thank you. I don't even know how you do that. How long is it like that for? They say it's six months, uh, the winter here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Move to Seattle. Come to on. Se <laughs> <laughs> If you can handle that weather, you can definitely. This will be a breeze for you. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. It's just Montreal is famous for festivals. So, Ooh. I mean, okay. this, this city bumps when it's, when it's summer. Season. Oh, man. We have the Jazz Festival. We have the uh, Jazz for Laughs Festival. We have the F1 racing. It, we have different, like, everybody loves Montreal. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we have festivals here, too, in Seattle that start around in the next month. Mm. Um, my mom and I would do a lot of festivals here because we have a family business called the African Village. Okay. And we would sell homemade art, clothing, jewelry, pieces from Kenya. Nice. And um, and so we would do a lot of like the big festivals like Bumper Shoot. There's the Folklife Festival. There's jazz festivals. There's so many of them back to back in the summer. Mm -hmm. So I feel that. Who made the art and the t-shirts and the, mm -hmm. I don't know, jewelries, I guess? My grandmother and her uh. friends in Kenya. So she, she's been doing this with my mom since my mom was a teenager. Mm. They traveled the world, Europe, everywhere to bring Kenyan culture to different countries. And so when my mom moved to Seattle, I have a video when I was two weeks old at Bumper Shoot and they had their booth and everything. And no. we've been doing it ever since. They've been doing it for, yeah, it's been like over 20 years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Speaking of your grandma, I love mm -hmm. that video that you did, Operation Christmas. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Actually, I'm going to give you a credit because mm -hmm. I'm planning to do something like that this July. Oh, really? For, for the Philippines. Yeah, we're planning to uh, collect some money. Hopefully, you know, family or maybe some people could donate and... We're going to send it to the Philippines and buy a school um, products for the kids, like oh, books and amazing. whatever. that's amazing. Yes, yeah. I love that. That's yeah, but awesome. We, I we, think, used, uh -huh. we used to do it. Sorry, we used to do it, but not as often. But I want to like, yo, if Christy can do it, I'm sure I can do it too. Anyone can. Absolutely anybody can. It's really not that hard to, because I mean, think about it. People spend five dollars on a coffee that five dollars can go so far in another country mm -hmm. and and be utilized to 
give a student what they need to survive or just, you know, their daily school supplies. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. People think that you have to be super rich to do charity work or to put on your own mission, but you can do it definitely with social media too. Mm-hmm. What made you think of this Operation Christmas? Oh, before you answer that, Ashley, explain to the listeners what Operation Christmas is. Operation Christmas is an annual fundraiser that is hosted by my family and I, and we choose a different school every year to donate school supplies, give them a fresh, full plate of food, great meal, um, and just celebrate the new year. So we raise money during the Christmas season, and then schools open towards the middle to end of January. And before the school opens, usually like a week before, we'll host an event at the school's compound and invite all of the students and their families to come and celebrate the new year and mm. motivate them to work hard going through the new year. So that we've been doing it actually for several years. This past year was the second time that I've posted about it, but my grandma and my mom and my aunt, we've always been doing little projects and missions here and there since I was a kid to help kids in Kenya. So Operation Christmas is, it's founded by my aunt and I, and um, I hope to continue it this year and the year after and, and expand it into something a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to be, I'm changing the name from Operation Christmas to Operation Ukambani, which means home in Swahili. I love it. And um, and I'm already working on our next event. And the impact that Operation Christmas this year had is really, really great. And there's a lot of people that want to help, even in Kenya. So I'm teaming up with a lot of people back home. And mm. we're going to put on a huge event at our next school that we're going to be blessing And it's going to be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. But if people want to donate, uh, where they can go? I'm currently working on a website for this. So in the next couple of weeks, I will be posting updates on where people can donate. You can find it on my Instagram page. Awesome. It'll be in my link tree. Mm, okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. What did you love about Operation Christmas? Um, what do I love about it? I'm a person of faith. I grew up in the church and my name, Christy, means follower of Christ. And I believe that as a follower of Christ, we're supposed to be servants to everybody and to love all people and serve all people. So my like life motto, my life slogan mission is love all, serve all. So hmm. with Operation Christmas, I'm able to love and serve kids that need it because kids are the future. And You know, in a lot of these places, in these really rural areas um, where there's suffering and there's drought and there's need and there's hunger, it's really hard to stay positive and to have a positive mindset about your future. And I'm only I'm thinking about what it must be like as a kid to endure a lot of hardship like that. And if I were in their shoes, I would love if someone came and motivated me or did something to kind of encourage me to keep going. And that is what I hope Operation Christmas is able to do for these students. And that's what I love is, is that we're able to encourage, inspire and pour into the future. Mm, beautiful. I also like that post that you did about the Operation Christmas and you talk about the power of social media. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, because the only way that I was able to raise this money and the only way I've been able to raise money in the past is through social media. Um, Mm. it's a really, really powerful tool. Very, very powerful. And that's why I say that anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. If you have a cell phone like, and you want to to do something, raise money, whether it's put on an event, you have all the resources that you need in the palm of your hand. And so utilizing your social media to impact society, to you know, leverage good in society, it's so, so important. And it's so easy to do. It's a very easy thing to do. So I think that that's something I'm going to be talking about a lot in my content is using your social media for good Hmm. um, because the world needs it. Definitely. Yeah. We need that. Have you ever had someone donate and say, Hey, I want to see the breakdown of where you're sending my, how you're spending my money. Um, I haven't had anyone approach me about any break, like, the breakdown of anything but Hmm. i do keep receipts for everything um i have books i try to be very transparent in the process especially like with this one this was my first time like really documenting what we do with operation christmas but Hmm. um in the next one especially I'm, i'm going to be very transparent about where everything is going um i'm going to be i'm going to be a lot more organized in like creating separate accounts for this just for mm. this and spaces just for operation Kumbani because i see it becoming a very big thing in the future and um and yeah i definitely don't like i want to build trust with the people that are donating and mm. um and so yeah that's def- if anyone was to ask me i'd be more than happy to elaborate or enlighten them mm. touching base on that topic have you ever got a hate message from this you know oh maybe she's using this to get love or likes or whatever or followers i have not um but i mean i would hope that if anyone watches my content they're able to see the heart behind it um and also just knowing myself this is something i've always had a passion for community and people since i was a very young girl um my dream before going to college and, and having a career was to be a philanthropist. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. And I, I'm still trying to navigate how that will play out. But my heart has always been there. I've always mm. had a heart for people in need. And I'm just trying to, even though it's so separate from what I do here for a living and with my career, it's something that I'm always going to keep around in my life and I'm going to keep on doing as long as I'm able, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely would never want that impression to be out there that I'm doing it for like engagement or anything. Um, but I will say that I, I do want to use my social media to advertise this because I want people to donate and support the mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a great mission. It's really like helping direct. You don't have to donate to this organization, that organization you don't know how, where they're bringing the money. You you know that it's Christy exactly. and her family. And they're actually bringing the money to the people that in need. 
Yes. Um, so that's actually like what really inspired me to do this was I went on a mission trip to Uganda in 2019 hmm. and I went through an organization and it was a great trip. I learned a lot. I was able to do and accomplish a lot, but there was a very big lack of transparency with where the, the funds are going. And I also spoke to a lot of the kids that were sponsored by that program. And I heard hmm. just their experience with it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt um, actually that come from those kids that have, hmm. you know, definitely benefited from the organization, but there's also a lot of hurt that they've experienced um, with their sponsors and with the owners of the organization. There's kind of like, I wouldn't say retaliate. I don't know if retaliation is the right word, but there is some things that I don't, I don't personally agree with in terms of how you treat, how you're supposed to be treating these kids just because you're helping them doesn't mean that you own them and control them. Hmm. Um, that's something that I was like, you know, if I ever start my own organization, it would be so different. It would be with their interests at like at the forefront. Um, and I would only want to create spaces for them to grow and benefit from. And whether it's people that are helping pour into their education, they should be able to have access to communicating with them. They should be able to reach out for help if they need it, you know. But mm. a lot of these kids were reaching out for help from their to their sponsors, and the organization would punish them for it and punish their families for it, which is not right. And it's not something that I don't even think God would be in agreement with. And mm. so I told myself, like, I want to be different. I want my missions to be different. Yeah. So is that is a type of organization that does those give a dollar and save a kid? Yeah, it's like for $40 a month, your contribution will fund the student's tuition, clothe them, pay for their uniforms, pay for their food. But then mm -hmm. when I went there, I saw that it wasn't everything that they were advertising. Oh, no. How did you find out this organization? It was through my college because I went with my university okay. and they are partnered with this organization. Uh, that's so unfortunate. Yeah, it was it was very sad. But and I think that that's a very common thing with um, with missionary organ mission organizations, mm -hmm. um, especially those like led by the church. There's a lot of organizations that still preach like the white savior type of um, <laughs> yeah the white savior I, w I don't want to say mentality but mm -hmm. I guess yeah religion like and it's they're all Christian based but I think it's really important to study like the heart of and mission of an organization to know what its true intentions are mm -hmm. um, also just the lack of transparency in a lot of these organizations is super alarming um, and whenever I go to Kenya and I'm on the plane and I actually happened to be sitting next to a guy that was on, a, was going on a mission trip through a church. Mm. I told him that when he goes to tell his team that this trip is not for you to teach them, it's for you to learn from them, to hear from the people that you are servicing and serving. Um, you need to hear their stories, hear their experiences. You're coming to their country not to tell them how to believe in God or how to, how the right way of living should be or how to act. 
you're you're there to hear what they have to say and how you can help them. Mm-hmm. You can't understand how to help a person without asking them what they need help with. So I told him to make sure that you put the people first, that you're there as a guest, mm-hmm. that you're there to learn from them, learn from their culture first before mm-hmm. implementing the strategies of your culture into theirs, you know? And that's, it's just, yeah, that's something I try to tell a lot of missionaries if I ever come across them. There's a book that I read, I can't remember what it was called, but it really helped. I read it before I went to, I went to Uganda. It really helped me understand the true heart of what a missionary should be. Yeah, 100%. Like, most of the people, I would say, majority of people around the world that are, you know, uh, less fortunate, they really just need food, dude. They just Yeah, literally. And clean water. That's all. That's, oh. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. They, a lot of these organizations think that they need to come and teach them the white way of learning Jesus and being a Christian and, and t- trying to tell them that the ways that they grew up in the culture that they grew up in is not the right way or it's not mm-hmm. what God, you know, approves, but God made us all equal and he created us to be loving towards one another and understanding towards one another. And so when you understand what somebody's needs are, like it's really it's better for you to meet their needs than to come with your own agenda, you know? Mm -hmm. And with the kids, that's why I was like, I want to keep this as simple as possible. I want to just have, even if it's just one day, like a one day event for these kids to come and have an amazing meal cooked for them, people there to hear and love on them and then gift them with tools to help them be successful in their school year. And whether that's with like pencils, books, racers, um, notebooks, things like that. I even like put like lollipops and balloons in the care packages because you need to have fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, though it's such a simple thing, but it really, really made a difference. And um, I sent some of my friends to go and check on the kids a week ago to see how they're mm-hmm. doing and they all remembered who I was and uh, remembered them and they sent me a beautiful message and I have so many gorgeous pictures and videos I'm going to be sharing mm-hmm. um, and yeah it's just it, you just do what you can and so I knew that that was what the need was is that they needed clean food clean water and resources yeah that 100% and they're not do, you know what's the best about this uh, about people that you help, they're not even selfish. It's just like you give them a dollar, they'll split that dollar and give the 50 cent to someone else. Yeah. And, you, you know, us being coming from, you know, the Western, like, why are you giving it to them? It's for you first. But they're so yeah, generous. So much greed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, I can speak to that because we had a ceremony at the school Hmm. And the headmaster went through all of the top students in the class. Yeah. And I had set aside some money to hand out to hmm. those students as like a good job for being like number one in your class or like for getting a very high score on your test. Hmm. And it was about 
a thousand shillings, which is equivalent to ten dollars. Mm-hmm. And after we gave out that cash, I saw a student give the money to another, and he's like, "You can have it." And also, like with the toys that we had put in the cure packages, it was really cool to see the kids kind of like trading with one another. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you my balloon if you give me your lollipop, or I'll give you my book if you give me this, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just they're grateful. Like, and that was that was the best part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I remember not this Christmas, last Christmas, I sent some money to my uncle that from in the Philippines, just mm-hmm. to help them out. They were having um, there was some national uh, natural disaster that he was going through, so I sent him some money, thinking like, oh, he's gonna spend it to his family, you know, everything. And then they mm-hmm. send a picture of kids. They split the money and his wife is a teacher. And mm-hmm. they, they bought toys and food for the kids. And they took a oh, picture wow. and they put a name. I'm like, bro, I didn't even expect that, you know? And I was <laughs> so happy. I'm like, yo, that's cool. But yeah, like, that's thinking, amazing. that's what I'm saying. Like this, they're, they're in need. But they still have the generosity to share their grace. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely beautiful. I think that in Western culture, there's just this overconsumption, mm. like, culture. It's just, it's so annoying. It's annoying <laughs> to see it from, like, an outside perspective of someone mm-hmm. that has gone to different places. It's only, like our culture where it's like that overconsumption and and feeling the need to hold on to things and not wanting to get rid of things and mm. even just like being generous it's like so hard to come by generous people nowadays yeah so i get that for sure yeah for uh, definitely it's that's what i'm trying to do more be more i'm always been generous to be honest but i want to do more you know well what you're doing with this podcast is generous Giving people time to share their stories and giving them a platform, that's a very generous act. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, yeah. I just like talking to cool people. <laughs> it's nice hearing people's stories and where they come from. Yeah, I love that. I love how they lifted themselves from wherever they came from and find their way to shine. Yeah. You know, like your parents, they're from Kenya and they're like, yo, Let's move and let's give this beautiful little girl a better life. That's, excuse my French, but that's balls, you know? Yeah, definitely. I want to give my parents the world for everything that they've given me. So Mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing right now is to give back to my family. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I saw that you're into fashion modeling a lot. I mean, I love your pieces, by the way. Is that like, Thank who's, you. whose idea is it? First of all, I'm getting excited. <laughs> my favorite, like which one? My favorite mm-hmm. of all time is the one by the by the mountain and you're wearing this beautiful dress. Oh, the pink dress. <laughs> Yo, that was fire, bro. Oh, man. Yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites. And it, it's been my most talked about shoot. And I'm mm. still trying to figure out a way to one-up it. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was beautiful. I I work with a lot of local creatives and photographers here that 
usually reach out to me to work on like a creative project to um, expand their portfolio and do something fun because Mm -hmm. a lot of them are doing like, you know, studio shoots or like shoots that are work related. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a lot of people that just want to have fun and create something fun and beautiful. And so that one, that one was definitely one of my favorites. It was with Claire Meyer. She's an amazing photographer who normally does senior photo shoots. But she reached out. Yeah. She does like senior, senior pictures. Mm. Um, And she reached out several months in advance. I think it was like January. And she was like, do you want to do a shoot in July? And I'm like, um, sure. Let me check my calendar. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, we, we planned that one for a while and it was definitely one of my favorite ones. Mm. I, there, when it comes to creative direction, it's usually the photographer or it's me or mm. it's both of us coming up with a vision and how exactly we want to style the shoot and the location. It's it's a two-person effort majority of the time. Mm. So in that journey, I get to learn about you know their styles and like where they come from and how they like to shoot or like what is the what is the mission of this shoot? You know, because anyone can do a photo shoot, but I like to tie like. A, like a, a reason why to like the work hmm. um, or like what what the pictures will mean or like what the shoot means to me hmm. I like to figure out a purpose behind it because everything has to have a purpose I try to act with intention hmm. and not just because so a lot of these shoots like they're stories. They're visual stories majority of the time. And I'm just really honored that I get to do that. It's something I genuinely enjoy. Mm-hmm. So what was the story of the shoot? The pink one? The pink one and the... Is it burgundy? Not burgundy. The lilac one? Burgundy? Lilac. Lilac, the purple one? Yeah, the purple one. Oh my gosh, you remember? I didn't even post the photos of the purple one. I posted a video of the purple one. But mm. um, I think that one was like, I'm trying to remember. It was, it was like just princess vibes, <laughs> to be honest. Um, like we had this vision of just like a really pretty girl in a really pretty big dress that's so dramatic. And then this mm. gorgeous view behind it. It's just like, mm black girl magic um and i would say that that was where my head was at when it came to that one um Mm. just living and feeling my best i love dresses those are my favorite Mm -hmm. that's my favorite article of clothing is dresses Mm -hmm. and so we were like we need to find the biggest most dramatic dress (laughs) for this shoot and yeah and just and I think the one thing that I, I ask people, like whenever they look at my content, I'm like, what do you get from this? Like, what is, like, what do you as a viewer get from looking at this type of content? And they're like, I see a lot of confidence and it inspires me to be confident. And so uh, with these shoots, like I do like to instill a sense of confidence and self-love, how important that is. And living and feeling your best like you normally feel your best when you look your best so yeah I try to put my stylistic my style and my like stylistic experience into what I put out in my photos Mm -hmm. my favorite part is when you did the vlog for the shoot and 
and you did the the hair. <laughs> you, I thought that was your hair, by the way. <laughs> I know. I feel I fooled a lot of people with that one. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, this is not her hair." What? Yo, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and when I put it on, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I look like a poodle." <laughs> it was beautiful, by the way. I was like, "Man, that was that hair Thank is beautiful." You. Oh, I loved it. I still haven't put it on since then because I'm like, ugh, nothing can top that. <laughs> these these are my natural curls. I have my natural curls on right now. Okay. And um and I I wish my hair was like that super long and curly, but mm-hmm. I think that my hair is gonna get to that point in about a year or so. <laughs> are you happy with yeah. your hair? I know most African American or African Canadian women, they have mm-hmm. complicated relationship with their hair. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I think growing up, I definitely was insecure about my hair. So I, I hid it a lot. I straightened my hair like to the point where it, it was just so unhealthy and like dead. <laughs> <laughs> I straightened the life out of my hair. And I did that for several years because I was so insecure about my natural curl pattern. I didn't know how to style it. I didn't know how to make it look pretty. Um, it was, it's a lot of work having this type of hair. It's, it's a lot of work. And as a young girl that like, again, like was one of the few like black girls in her class, I was already different and my hair would make me even more different. So I tried to hide it, and straighten it and try to look as like American as possible. But hmm. as I honestly, when I started taking pictures and I started creating my portfolio, I gained this love for my, my natural self, me and my most, my my most natural state. And, um, I began to embrace my curls a lot more. So I I stopped straightening my hair. I completely, it's been years since I straightened my hair Mm. and my natural curl pattern pattern grew back and it's now like super gorgeous. And I absolutely love it. It's Mm. still a lot of work, but I've learned how to take care of it. And I do like protective styles. I do braids. I, if I am wearing a wig, it's because I want to like protect my hair and like let it grow a little bit and um, have the time to do that. And then I take the braids out and I just let it run free like I am right now. It's beautiful, man. I love, I love that kind of hair, you know? Thank you. Yeah, I love it too. I love it on other women too. Like they just look so gorgeous. Curls are such a pretty, um, such a pretty hairstyle to have and yeah. the fact that god gave me these like i'm very very grateful you, you you said you were growing up you were straightening it why were you straightening it because you felt like you're different yeah like i just wanted to have straight hair like everybody else <laughs> mm. um i thought that straight hair was like cuter and like more likable and more attractive and i just didn't i thought that natural hair was like nappy and like no one liked an afro like i just didn't <laughs> i was so insecure about it mm-hmm. but definitely not now i love my hair and a lot of people like actually like the one thing i get from my friends and my family is like they're like this is my favorite style mm. on you it's gorgeous thank you what would you say to that little girl that trying so hard to straighten that mm-hmm. hair if you have a chance to talk to her Oh boy, if I could talk to my younger self, I'm still my younger self, (laughs) but 
because I'm still a baby. I still think of myself as a baby. Hmm. Um, even though I know I'm an adult, I know that there's going to be a point where I'm going to look at my 23 year old self and talk, want to talk to her. But if I could talk to my eight year old self, hmm. I would tell her that the way that God made her is the most powerful, most beautiful thing about her. Hmm. Um, I think that, I think that God gave me such a big heart and he gave me so many things that I overlooked as a kid, even my voice too. Cause I love to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like in elementary school and middle school and even high school, like I tried to hide my voice so much. I almost hid it as much as I hid my hair. Um, Why? yeah, yeah. Um, a, ki- a student had made a comment to me when I was in fourth grade hmm. and it just, it kept me quiet for like several years. Um, like they, they had told me that, you know, I should just stop singing and that it's annoying. And <laughs> it's such like a stupid comment. Like when I think about it, mm-hmm. but at the time I took that so for real and I was so hurt that I never sang. Like I just did not sing around people. Mm. And I would be in choirs. I had been in choir my entire life and I in choir would stand in the back or like I, and I was a natural soprano, but in mm. like whenever there came a chance to do solos, any of that, I wouldn't do it, but I was very talented and I knew that, but I just was so like shy and insecure. I don't know. So I kept it hidden. But if I could have told her like that her voice would be the most beautiful thing about her and her hair, and like I would tell her to embrace it. I mm. think that if I had embraced it at a younger age, I'd be a lot farther than where I am now. Mm. Do you regret that? Um, not necessarily. I would say it in the slightest bit, just because it would have been nice to see like where how far I could have gone. Um, Mm. My mom would always sign up for like auditions for like different talent shows and, and performances, but I would always back out of them when it came time to it. Mm. (laughs) So part of me does wish that like, I had just taken a leap of faith and believed in myself a lot sooner, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like I understand that everything happens for a reason. God has brought me through this journey that I'm in. Mm -hmm currently this way he intended it for it to be this way so yeah i'm just trusting in the moment I'm trusting in the process amen what made you break that insecurity and finally step forward and say yo give me that mic i got this <laughs> um let me think about how i'm going to answer that because there's definitely a turning point I think it was when I entered college Hmm. and I was at the school that I just didn't feel like I belonged in. The only thing that I found similar or I felt connected to about that school was the choir. And in that choir, I I did the same thing as I did before. Like I just did not speak. I (laughs) observed. I'm very much an observer before I speak. And so I, I observed just the leaders that were putting themselves um. out there. 
Is King Tom by the beach. <laughs> yeah, that was a boat. Let me see. See it? Oh my god, that's not a boat. That's a ship. It's a whole ship. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um Yeah, I kind of just stayed quiet and then I but I was observing these leaders and there was this there was this one that really, really I looked up to. And I loved the way that she was saying and I loved how confident that she was when she was sitting. Mm. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I think next year, so I was a sophomore at that time. I was like, next year is going to be my year that I pick up the microphone and I step into leadership. Mm. And I did. And I was singing one of, uh, I was singing, I was leading a song for our tour the following year with the choir and the impact that I was able to make when I, when I was singing, like people would come up to me afterwards and be like, you really, really have a gift and I see you going far with it. Hmm. And um, I took that and I improved my craft. And then I joined the worship team at church. And I became a worship leader and I did that for four years. I was singing for four years and now it's like, I, I really do enjoy it. I love leading. I love leading worship. I love singing. Mm-hmm. My voice is one of my favorite things about me. And I'm still, I still think that I, I have a lot of work to do when it comes to putting it out there. Mm. Um, it's been years since I've released a song. The last yeah. time was, I think, in 2020. Honestly. Um, yes, that one. I and love I that have song. One. I was so <laughs> mad at you. I'm like, yo, where's the other ones? Why is there only know. one? You and and so many other people have been like, where is the next one? But I have a feeling that this year is going to be the year that I release another song. I think that I was made and born to be a gospel singer. And I'm going to start stepping into that. Thank you. Soon. Don't be selfish. Yeah. We want more. <laughs> I don't want to be. it, <laughs> But also my voice is like, as much as I love it, it's my most vulnerable self. Even more so than just like when I'm in front of a camera or when I'm like taking photos, like my voice is my most vulnerable thing about me. And it's not something that I just want to give open access to. It's, it means a lot to me. Um, and it's something that I like to protect and I want to use it for good. I don't want to just be a singer to be a singer. And I think that's why I stopped re- like releasing music is because as much as I loved, honestly, and I did release another one called Fall earlier. Before that was that, good too. I like R&B. Don't get me wrong. But it I didn't feel like there was a real purpose for me with it. Mm. I always have to have a why. Before, but behind everything that I do, there has to be a why. And I just didn't feel like I had much of a purpose with that. Or there wasn't really much I could. Like, it didn't really move me. You know? So... Mm. That's why I was like, I need to kind of take a step back and kind of study like what type of music moves me, what makes me happy, what what drives my voice. And it's definitely like worship music and gospel music and mm. yeah, just that that type of music. So anything that like really stirs up your soul. I love like ballads. I love like old Beyonce ballads and mm. I love Whitney Houston, those like big powerhouse voices. Mm-hmm. Their music changed the world. And that's the type of music that I want to put out is music that changes the world. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get it. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. We're waiting. 
I know. I won't keep you waiting much longer. That's awesome. Excited. Listen, Christy, I think mm-hmm. we're there. I really appreciate this time with you. Uh, before we close out, do you have any last remarks or anything what you want to say? Uh, thank you so, so much for having me on your podcast. I truly feel so honored to share my story and journey with you guys. And I just wish you all the best with everything that you're doing. I I'm really, really grateful that there are platforms like this for creatives like me to speak and share. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like as, I don't feel as much pressure as I thought that I would. This feels <laughs> like a really just genuine, easy conversation. And I appreciate you making that safe space. And, um, yeah, to keep up with my journey, just follow me on my social media and I look forward to the future and where God is going to take me in this life. Beautiful. If I think, I don't think if you mentioned your social media account, uh, you want to mention it? Yeah. It's just at Christy Kyoko. Just search up Christy Kyoko on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram. My YouTube channel is called Life with Christy. Mm -hmm. Again, Christy, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you too. And oh, one more thing. If mm. you want to stay updated on Operation Ukambani and Operation Christmas, there's going to be an Instagram account for that as well. So just stay tuned for that. But you can find all of that information on my Instagram page. Awesome. Awesome. Have a great mm-hmm. day. You too. Bye. Bye. Again, Christy, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Endo Yosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.